Hi, I'm Jamie Stegmeyer, and you're listening to Board Chitless. Welcome to Board Chitless, episode 51. Uh, we, had a, we had a week off while I moved house and stuff, but now we're back on. And we've been playing Scythe, The Rise of Fenris. It's a, a campaign game and it's crazy. But more importantly, who's talking with me today? I'm not alone in a room. So I'm Lecky and I'm Don't with... Don't say anything, they'll think he's alone. Thanks, Tristan. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> I'm here with you, Lecky. Thank you. I'm Tristan. <laughs> I'm Sam. Wonderful. And like I said, we've been playing more Scythe. Now, um, it's a campaign expansion to the Scythe core game. If you want to learn more about Scythe, we can listen to episode one, where we're going to it in a lot more detail. You can listen to our interview with Morton Peterson, who does the Ultima rule set for Solo, or for adding extra AI players. And in episode 40, we interview the game's designer, Jamie Stegmeyer. So there's loads of back catalogue of uh, Scythe chat there if you want to learn more about the game. But we're just going to get stuck straight in talking about what the expansion brings. But we are going to be very careful not to spoil it for everybody. So we're going to go for a spoiler-free podcast this week. If we can manage that, we'll see. Fingers crossed. Fenris, I've been saying that a lot today. How are we getting on with it? It's quite a massive expansion. Should we mention we've got the other two expansions mixed in now? So we've got yes. the Wind Gambit, so airships, and we've also got Invaders from Afar, so we've got all the factions. Uh, we've been running this campaign with six players out of a possible seven, and we've had the seventh player played by an Automa, so that we've got a full board every every game. So this game would feel very differently if you were playing it with just a couple of players and no AI factions, I think. But yeah. we've gone full tilt. So every single game ends in like, if not a bloodbath, a, a, like a full board, a busy board. All of the adventure tokens get hoovered up and everything. And um, I think it's probably probably the optimal way to play. Yeah, it's a large element of crowd control, isn't there? People got hemmed in in a couple of games. Yeah. People have kind of sprawled Rightly out so. one another. <laughs> <laughs> It's a bit more aggressive because you can play, like with a two or three player game, you could potentially just be doing the Euro side of Scythe, which is just working on your economy and everything. Yeah. But with seven players, within a couple of turns, there's people at the edge of your kingdom uh, and you have to think about how that affects you and where you can explore to. And I think it's more tense than um, aggressive because it's the threat of the aggression, but there's not as much... I think there's probably more fighting with fewer players because everyone's fighting over the... The factory at the center whereas seven players the scrapping or the potential for scrapping is everywhere on the board because you're always brushing up against someone so i think it always feels more tense than the actual number of fights that you have but then i think i think people have been because it's a campaign people have been hesitant to start annoying the neighbors because so that the grudge doesn't stay yeah because yeah. <laughs> yeah. then they've got like another six games or whatever to to reap the uh reap the whirlwind I don't, I don't know if that's specifically on purpose. We've not though. been at war with each other, Lecky. And that's well, not no. normal for us. That's We're right it, next to each other. It's because you sit next to each other. If we change where you sit, like, or yeah. sit even, on a, a per-game basis, there'd definitely yeah. be more combat, I think. Yes. But you snuggled so. up to a little friendly 
sort yeah, of it's, it's a cozy, cozy corner of Europa, isn't it? <laughs> or in my case, Automa and Utrecht, yeah. which is not that friendly. <laughs> but I am um, friendly. <laughs> I've, I've had rush for it for this campaign, so I'm just going to rush for the middle anyway. Rush for the factory, pretty much every game, and I only seem to fight people when they come into contact with me, as opposed to me jumping on them. Apart from when I can just materialise somewhere else and get into fights with Sam. Yeah, you fun. have an aggressive faction yeah. right from the start. Annoying faction. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you keep your tractors off my, uh, off my garden, we're fine. Um, in terms of the campaign element and the game's sort of like persistent elements, so each time we end the game now, we don't just reset. We total up our wealth and then we can buy things or we can get extra perks or uh, we can just gloat about how many games we've won. Like Tristan's won three games out of five. I've won two. Dave's won zero. Sam's won zero. Daz won I've zero. Your <laughs> <laughs> time has been a bit bullied as well. It has, yeah. Because um, of how well it did in the first game. It did very yeah, well, didn't yeah. it? Yeah, it became a threat straight away. I think people kept an eye on that now. Wasn't that, wasn't that because there was more Automa in the first game? There was, Yeah, there was two. But they both did quite well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, that's the thing. So we've agreed now if a player misses a session, they get replaced with an Automa for that session. So it just keeps the campaign moving, given yeah. our predilection for never finishing a campaign of anything yeah. this was our like emergency like uh, bandage procedure for being able to actually finish something for once definitely required and it's the only game where we can really do that because we've played seafall in the past and we've played um, kingdom death monster and they don't have the automa rule sets so you can't really do much about it apart from carry on playing without that player yeah and then in which case they just get left behind at least with scythe there's uh, a rule set sort of generating an income for them yeah, in some cases doing better than they would have done. Definitely. <laughs> Every case. Yeah. <laughs> so I think the campaign elements, this goes back to what I love about campaigns. I like the idea of uh, legacy games and I like the legacy games that we've played, but I definitely prefer this where you unlock new stuff, you open boxes, you find cool things, uh, you add new rules and everything, and then at the end of it all, you get to play with it all. Um, and it's kind of what Jamie Stegmaier did with Charterstone. It was like... You, you had stickers and you changed components and you destroyed components and stuff. But at the end of it, there was a playable game. And at the end of this, you can go back to regular scythe or you can start including elements that you've unlocked from the campaign as you go. And some of them have been, I think, more successful than others. But some of them, like, you instantly sort of go, okay, that's going to stay. You know, every, every game, once we've finished this campaign, every game of scythe moving forward is going to have this element mixed in sort of yeah. thing. If you compared it to, say, Pandemic Legacy... So Pandemic, like I said, elevated Pandemic like immeasurably. Like, I don't like Pandemic as a game, but Pandemic Legacy is one of the best board game experience I've ever participated in. Um, I don't want to really, I don't want a functional game at the end of it. I don't want to ever play Pandemic again. Right. I don't really want to play Scythe again when we're done with the campaign. <laughs> so for me, if this was if this was a legacy game, um, I think it. I don't know. It would have to be pretty good because it's it's pretty good campaign. Like the campaign has has like kept me hooked. Like I do enjoy it. Um, but I think for it to go on to then be a legacy game, I don't know. I just feel like there's more. The permanence just adds something. You know. Yeah. Know yeah. We've, we've argued about this long and hard about campaign <laughs> versus legacy. Yeah, it brings a bit more jeopardy to the table, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. But um, yeah. I, su I suppose having an expansion that's legacy to a core set. Like you, you can write on or rip up all the expansion parts, I suppose, and not break the core game. Mm. But I suppose the campaign route has allowed James to just add more stuff whilst keep make the game original game more modular. But then you're not having to ruin that original base game. But I think it's got drawbacks as well, though, because 
to me, some of the um, elements that are put in the game. So there's, with the um, win gambit, there's extra victory conditions, so you don't have to put six stars down to end the game. Other victory conditions pop up. And the same thing happens with Rise of Fenris as a campaign, but they're not really optional. It's not... Um, there's extra things added to the board and you once they've all been mopped up, then the game ends or there's a specific objective to, so that's one needs to get and then the game ends. And I found that to what that would do to a normal, if it was a regular game of Scythe, it doesn't give you that Scythe game experience. It does change it and it makes it a lot different, but generally it ends up in a bit of a sort of victory points grab and the game ends quite quickly. So we've had some very short games of Scythe and so as very well as as well as a an epic three hour marathon as well, didn't we? At one point well, we had that, one that, that went long. The, the, the sort of longer games are the, the it's just Scythe. Like there's not yeah. a lot added. The really short games are when there's been sort of extra victory conditions added that have either been triggered sort of by accident in one case, kind of. Yeah. Or or have just it's just made the game shorter. I think I triggered the end game in one of them. Did I? Oh no, I just had a star, didn't I? Oh, it's lucky. Yeah, Each yeah, time it's been lucky. Yeah, yeah. lucky. <laughs> yeah, it's been lucky every time. Risky yeah. it for the rush win. But it only actually worked out twice. Well, no, it worked out both of my victories. I actually rushed them. No, no, one. Tristan won. And the first, well, the first game. Mm. No, the, the, the short victory. The yes, yes, so I've done it. I've, I've ended the game short three times. So I've basically, if I'm going to say, I've ruined the game for everyone three times. Um, <laughs> Just change the dynamic, that's all. Like, yeah. Don't ruin it. Won, yeah. Twi- won twice, lost one. Um, but yeah, it, but those games though, it didn't, it's fair enough, it didn't ruin it, but it didn't feel like a proper game of Scythe. Okay, so talking around the spoilers here, yes. there is potential at certain points in the campaign for some games to go much more quickly than a regular game of Scythe would. Yeah, and yeah. In, a, in an eight-game campaign, one of the games lasted half an hour, if that, and probably setting up to, and tearing down probably took more time than actually playing that game, just because of how it sort of unfolded. But then I suppose once you've played through the campaign, the great strength of this is you can then go play through the campaign again, just reset, whereas opposed to Legacy, where that's it, you've done. Yeah. Um, you've got to buy a new box, unfortunately. But with this, if you know those things are coming, you can mitigate that. So I think, like you were talking about house ruling it, Potentially, maybe yeah. just like carry on playing until you've got all six stars down. But having said that, we haven't finished the campaign yet. So... Yeah, exactly. And as well, we've played five games in two sessions, so we've probably we've dedicated about what about ten hours, maybe a bit shorter to playing five five games of Scythe. That's incredible. Mm. So um, two, two hours a game, maybe it works out in our average. Um, and we've got three more games to play, so we can certainly see how it might just work out in the long run. Mm. Yeah, I think when you mentioned Pandemic before and you said it's, you're not really a fan of the game, but the legacy improves it immensely. Had the exact same experience. I'm not a massive fan of the base game, but we played through it as a family and the legacy version is brilliant. And then you said you'd have a similar experience with Scythe, basically, because you're not a massive fan of it to begin with. But yeah. the campaign, you were eager to try it out because it adds yeah. all the new elements I love campaign stuff. games, yeah. But then at the end of the game, at the end of the campaign, you're going to go back to Scythe plus the new stuff. So it's still going to be Scythe. It's not going to be legacy yeah. or you know it's, an it's ongoing not, it's not so much the new stuff that's elevating it's the surprise yeah and the narrative i know i'm like in the minority of this but the the theme of size never sort of really struck that much of a chord with me it, it's all visual on the, the art and everything there's not i know it's sort of creating your own yeah. story but there's such there's such disconnect with the way that the board is set up um and any sort of theme like it just doesn't it's not a thematic game for me it's like it's a very euro with some conflict and the actual story has brought that theme forward 
but during the game itself, it's not there. Uh, it's still not really been there for me. But it's been between a, games. Yeah, in, ter in terms of narrative, like um, Nikolai Tesla's factory city in the middle of Europa always felt a bit thin. The theme itself, in terms of your, you've got agricultural workers and soldiers, like you know, expanding and building up an engine. That's always been really thematic for me. But like, I agree with you, Dave. Like playing the campaign, the amount of narrative elements that have been added is just really kind of like brought it to life for me. There is um, there's like a six page story at the start of the campaign, which probably should have read out to each other at the start. But I thought. Oh, give me the gist. <laughs> yeah. But there is, yeah, there's the, like a big sort of narrative introduction to it. Um, and so we've been reading the flavor text between the missions yeah. and stuff. But, but that's, that's there, a there, bit... there was gasps around the table at one point. Yeah, even even just great. even just like that page or half a page before each chapter has been brilliant. It's been like, and it really has, because it actually feels now like the factory city in the, in the center is this like big mysterious source of technology. Whereas yeah. when you played Scythe in the past, it's like, yeah, it's just a nice way of making that the Give me a flashcard. the hill to be king of. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think part of that, though, is because when you're playing the standalone game, it is just a standalone game. It's a fixed map. But when you're in a campaign, like if someone's run away with the game, then you've got to suddenly reset to having nothing again. And it's that disparity between... It's, it's still the same location. You're still starting in the same place. And you've won. And you suppose the campaign isn't following on from where that was, but then you've got... It's like everyone's just pulled all the troops back and all the farmers and gone, we're just going to reset and just but pretend we do, we're friends. We do that in the campaign, yeah. though. Like, that's that's what, no, but that's what know, I'm saying. Like, from yeah. one game to the next in the campaign... There is a disparity there. Which where it's, it's not like you've developed or going on to a new land or... Yeah. And I think that might be where the theme yeah. is weird with the campaign. What about like the perks and modding? So can we talk about infrastructure mods. Don't get me started. <laughs> Go on, it's, I'm giving um, this is one thing that I feel is a big negative to this campaign and it's it feels like there's a proper runaway mechanic to it. Once you've won a campaign or you've achieved an objective or whatever it is, there are perks that you can get. You can buy them through the money, the points that you earn at the end of the game. But once you've got them, that's an advantage over everyone else. And I feel like, yes, I probably played terribly. But I've reached a point now where I'm so far behind at this, the very first move. People are bringing out mechs in the first turn or having extra resources or whatever it is. And I've got none of that. So I'm immediately on my back foot on every yeah. single game we play. And yeah. I don't feel like there's a way of catching up that without... You yeah, know. you can't really close that gap very quickly. Well, no, it's, it's like um, you were saying that you some of the games were able to bring to a, an end quicker. But there's no way I could trigger that because... I don't have the yeah. the facilities to do yeah. that. I don't have the, the upgrades or anything I, to do I, that. Yeah, my, my faction has a very specific opening round where I'm going to do the same three actions each game unless something drastically changes. Um, whereas I suppose you I can't might not because you don't have those three, those three actions. Yeah, yeah so you, you do feel like you're playing catch-up. Yeah. Well, completely. Because yeah. like in the normal game, you're, you when you very first start, you're hindered by the terrain that you're on. So... You need to get your mechs going with the river walk and things and that's in all games of scythe. But I'm always hindered by the same things. Whereas if you start getting perks and things, then yeah. you're already going, right, I'll just jump over that. I'll skip that. I'll go around that. I'll get those objectives. I'll pick up all that. I can't do those things. And yeah. that feels like I'm really on the back foot all the time. It, it's worth pointing out as well that because you missed the first um, episode, didn't you? So you missed the first game. Yeah. So we used an automa to replace you. 
And the automa is going to play very consistently. It's going to go through the same motions and get to like a certain level, depending on how long the game goes on. But if you were in the driving seat there, potentially you might have earned more. So you might have come to game two with enough to buy that first mod. I, I probably wouldn't have because I played maybe. really badly. You, but, you never, you you never know. know. That, but, is, that is a possibility. But yeah, it does feel like now that some some of the players around the table have got such an advantage. I'm like, okay, I'll just try and do my own thing and yeah. try and try and get a few more points than I got the previous time in the hope that it'll give me advantage. There is, there is a definite snowball. I don't think the advantages are huge. There are certain things that you can get in the game, right? Yeah. And, and some are much better than others. And especially at the beginning, it's random, sort of who gets what, but some are yeah, like drawn out much better than others. And I do feel like it's such a huge advantage, but most of the other stuff in there isn't. Yeah. You know, like a, there's, a, there's a huge sort of range of, of, of advantages and it makes it a little bit random, but the same two people have won every game. But I don't think that is particularly because of this stuff. I think that's just because no, of experience. I don't, think and... I, think, I don't think that's because of this stuff. Mm. But I do think it yeah. does feel like I'm always falling behind. Yeah. And it's, it's difficult as well because you don't want to punish players for winning. It's difficult to do in this game but anyway. You, but I mean, like, like, like Pandemic Legacy, if you fail a game... It, it rewards you yeah. way. like it gives you more stuff for the next game it's like it balances the difficulty saying that you don't necessarily need to win a game to get the mods so winning but you win the game you get all your victory points together and then all those victory points then goes into a wealth bank so you could win a game by like 75 points which means at the end of that game you've got 75 dollars to spend on mods mods cost 50 dollars each so you can get one mod from the bank there so Dave might have come second with 60 points, but he's still got enough to afford one. But then if everyone's getting all these mods and kind of running their head because they almost like, um, they, yeah, they'll, they just make some actions a lot cheaper than they normally would be perhaps. So I can see like how that advantage can kind of self-perpetuate a little bit, but it doesn't necessarily ice you out. But you, you do, there's been games where none of us have earned enough money to buy a mod the next turn. The very quick games. Yeah, yeah, you want the short yeah. ones. Because it's based on your victory points, isn't it? But yeah. despite exactly. that, I'm still enjoying playing it. Yeah. It's still side and I still like the game. I still It's still that sort of Rubik's Cube of a puzzle, isn't well, it? Well, is. I'm, I'm trying to beat what I did previously whilst dealing with everyone else and everything else around me. So yeah. I do. I, I mean, it, it, might have, it might be I feel more hard done by being right positioned next to yeah. the Automa. Because they are naturally more aggressive through their moves. So I have to account for that. And I've got to try and hold those back. Whereas no one else has really had to deal with that. It's dealing with each other. There's no, yeah. Which is a bit more, you can see what's going on a bit more. You know, if someone starts building up a load of forces, you think, probably should account for that. But the Automa is just suddenly move into your territory and yeah, they, kill they, everything. You're they like, they where, where did that come from? <laughs> um, but it's just the way that the, you know, it, it plays. Yeah, it's, so it's, it's just different. It's an interesting point you make there because the first game we played today went on for about three hours. And that's probably one of the best games of Scythe I've played. It was it had everything. It was like there was tons of action, tons of fighting. We were having to kind of like make accommodations for other people and which where they might be moving and if we want to try and intercept them or if we want to put resources elsewhere, if we just want to concentrate on trying to build up more resources, we can get more mechs out quickly, how we're going to get our victory stars down. And it felt like every turn I was like really invested in what I was doing, what everyone else was doing. Whereas we've not really had that in previous games. Sometimes you have like a runaway winner or you can't really make your um, faction gel with the ideology you've got because you've, you've got your two titles and each game you get a separate 
tile which will dictate what res- um, what particular actions cost what and what benefits you get. Yeah, but like we are, like I think I we saying, are getting better at the game. We are, but like I was saying, then you sort of got to handle it the longer games. But in those long games, I lost three mechs and a load of workers to yeah. the automa attacking me. Yeah, um, but, sort of unprecedented. You know, so they sort of leapfrog over, and so that then took away a load of my territories right at the end yeah. of the game, which just got my points. They, they move in a sort of like. They, they are quite predictable in the movements though and they spread out aren't they? Uh, yeah, yeah the if auto- you leave unprotected workers or they're going to get whilst you've got low power right next to them just like you would yeah. if there was a human player sat right next to you which is exactly what happens th- yeah well. well it is but I think that that's what I'm saying I think they're naturally more aggressive because of the way they've they don't worry about popularity no. do they so they just they don't they sort of they, they don't, don't and yeah. they also don't worry about the repercussions of their actions yeah. they're sort of ticking time bomb they'll spread out through the first third of the game and then the second um, section of the game they'll sort of consolidate a bit and then towards the end they'll start throwing out victory stars and they'll start being really aggressive and I suppose if you've got um, the wrong workers and things in the wrong places they could you know you could fall into that grinder because the automa the it's the popularity track isn't it where if you attack a worker then you'll lose a popularity so I think Sam had like five workers in one hex at one point yeah. But if the automa comes in because the way that they score is different, they'll take out those five workers and not lose any popularity. Whereas any other player wouldn't have yeah. attacked those five so workers because the popularity hit would have been too much. Yeah, it'd be a really effective meat shield. something you have person. to bear in mind. Yeah. They are also a tasty source of VP if you, if you handle them right. It's, the automa is on the, the lowest setting, like the easy sort of setting, yeah. even though it still gets aggressive. Um, but you can cap it, you can kneecap it if you go in aggressive as well and start taking its territories because it, it spreads out one worker per space. So if you're prepared to take the reputation hit or account for that, yeah. you can just rinse through their territory quite easily without them without thinking, Oh no, Lecky's gonna get revenge on me if I do this. Yeah. Because <laughs> it will just it will just suck it up. Um, and interestingly we were talking about this before the previous game, the uh, rules for what the Otoma does when you've run it right back to its home base. <laughs> <laughs> like I've I've never seen that happen, but if you literally took all of its territory um, so might be something to bear in mind if you are stuck next to it get stuck in get aggressive yeah. and start battering it definitely what does everybody think about Scythe Bingo not creating the benefit to it yet have we but the really fast games negated yeah. it completely didn't they there's a crib sheet at the bottom of your player sheet where you put down what your um, where you keep track of everything that happens in the campaign really and each time you get a victory star, you can then, at the end of that game, claim it in a little grid. So if you make a line from left to right, you can get $25 towards your final campaign score. And if you get a line from top to bottom, which is about five, you can um, score $25 as well that way. So in the first like two games, I think we kind of like filled up a line, got quite a few combat stars out, victory stars out. And then in two of the games, I think we got two for seven players. <laughs> two <laughs> stars between seven players yeah. in those two games. Yeah. But in terms of um, like game to game, looking at what victory stars you've got in one game and what victory stars you need to complete a line or try and get a row, has that kind of changed the way that you play in the game? You're just ignoring it and hoping for the best? No, it's changed. It's changed what I'm going for. Yeah. But I'd, maybe a little bit too much because and you, I'm, you, you're kind of locked in with the faction that you are as well. Um, and I, d- I don't think it's made me play the faction in ways that I'll, the faction's probably not meant to be played. Yeah, I've so been going for victory conditions that I probably shouldn't be doing. Trying yeah. to go for the more difficult ones. 
just make you yeah. make you experiment with the systems a bit more. And yeah, which isn't on. necessarily a bad thing. I think it's anything yeah. that makes you makes you use things differently is good. Yeah, looking from a different point of view. I think it's pretty cool that yeah. you're thinking that far ahead. Whereas mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, I'll just get what I can, yeah. um, and go for whichever starts I can. I know what you mean. Before the campaign started, I was like, right, okay, as soon as I've filled up the enlist row, mm. I'm going to concentrate on just building mechs in the next game. And then I'm just going to concentrate on, no, none of that's happened. <laughs> it's oh, literally wow. just like, what as is available? As soon as we had this, uh, these two games that nothing happened, um, yeah. I was like, have I actually got enough games left to fill this line now? No. So yeah. Oh, should we, yeah, should we just jump in and row. talk about these two games then, the two sort of janky middle games? Yeah, because we can... Without, without massive spoilers, they yeah. run... So fast, they um, have the potential. They don't to have run to run fast. fast. Yeah, but they, they did. They kind of do. So, one of them we saw was coming really fast. The other one, mm. just wow. Yeah, <laughs> but um, about half an hour. One of them. Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably an hour and a half to finish yeah. both of them. And so part of you is like, cool, more content, oh, mm. more stuff's being added, yeah. and we're accessing the boxes. And then now that you know we, we talked about it a little since the game, it does feel like. If it had just been a normal game of Scythe and then that stuff had happened, mm. that would have been really cool. Um, but the sort of jankiness of rattling through two games out of an eight-game campaign yeah. faster than you yeah. ever yeah. expected. If you just yeah. had a game and then there was whoever collected the most, or if, whatever. If it would have been the the star thing plus the extra victory yes, condition. rather than instead of, yeah. definitely. Yeah. And I think if we, I think that if we ever epic. did play through the campaign again, that would instantly be the first house rule. Um, yeah is that those two things happen at once. Yeah, because yeah. basically it's an epic game, like you mentioned before about the, the teardown took as long as the setup and play. Um, when each time you sit down for a game of this, like Eclipse, you don't want it to be over in half an hour. You want to mm. sit, get your teeth into it and have the big epic experience. Yeah. So something that takes away from that in such a quick way. And, it, and I don't blame you, Lecky, for rushing in and uh, you know doing that. That's perfectly valid We didn't know that, we didn't know that was going to happen yeah, in yeah. the second game. It just... And it's kind of how Rusty yeah. play is. You want to rush out the victory. In the regular game, you'd be doing that anyway. You'd yeah. be rushing out and conquering. You'd be trying to take the as quickly as possible. Yeah. So, so that was strange and wrong footing. But we'll see how it plays out by the end of the campaign. By the time we yeah. finish eight games, you might think, actually, it was worth rattling through those two. We, we, so that we could I get don't think we're going to see that again. I think the next three games was, are going to be full on. I'd be, just, yeah, I'd be just pretty shocked if they did. That. But it was the fact that they were back-to-back as, as well, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think with the amount of, like, um, basically, with the way that Jamie runs his operation at Stonemaier and the amount of playtesting as it must do as well, because it must be playtested with and without Otomo. I'm just, you know, speculating. It's... Jamie must have foreseen the fact that these games can end quickly and thought, yeah, great. It's going to make a game of Scythe a lot more unpredictable. Yeah, I'm just getting on to the next game. Exactly. So, and how bad can that be? And it's a great way of introducing content. It's not introducing content and saying, like, you know, you, open, you start episode three, there you go, here's a new thing, get going with it. You, you're kind of discovering stuff as you go along. There's stuff out on the game board. There's stuff hidden away from the game board. You're collecting tokens sometimes and you don't know why. You're collecting tokens sometimes, but you know exactly why. And you so, it's, it's a very good... There's a great use of components as well where components are recycled. So one game you were collecting things thinking, right, I know what it's going to do now. Those components come back on the board. And you get to the end of the game and the game book tells you something completely different. And it's great. It just means that you're constantly sort of second guessing yourself and what you're meant to be doing. We could have had a very sort of like patient game where we sort of gentlemanly move around it a bit slower and try and build up more victory points, but it just didn't happen that way. And that really, it's not yeah. not always side. You know, yeah. some factions will do that. Others, it doesn't behoove them. They want to get the victory as quickly as possible. Yeah. 
Well, I tried to race in that one, didn't I? It backfired horribly. <laughs> it wasn't fast enough. How is everyone enjoying playing the same faction for more for multiple games? Really, um, I know I had. Uh, we've been randomising the ideologies, so what, you basically shuffle up um, how you get your movement and buffs. So you, you, if if your movements with you deploy or not, you know that sort of stuff. I, I can't remember how you play describe and it. Faction playing mats and faction mats. Yeah. yeah. So the playing mats have been shuffled up at the end of each game and passed out. I played three games in a row with the engineering player mat, which um, I actually quite enjoyed because I got to learn it. Um, but I, then I got I had cultural and I didn't know how that worked. No, it's it's like with uh, Eclipse. I could happily play the same race in Eclipse over and over and over to actually try and get better with them. Um, and with Scythe, every time you get a new player mat, that wrong foots you to try and get your head around that. Yeah. So if you got a new faction mat as well every time, I think I'd probably find... A, I'd be less invested because you're just like, well, who am I actually representing in this yeah. game? And B, um, you wouldn't, you'd be having to rethink everything every game. And I don't think you'd have that sort of consistently. Yeah. Okay, well, I've got, for example, I'm Togawa, so I've got my traps. I've got to work that into my strategy. And then everything else sort of builds around it kind yeah. of thing. Dave's got his Nordic swimmers. So that's a consistent yeah. thing that you can rely on. But then you've got to work out how you get your different player mats to function with your faction yeah, same applies to all of us. You, yeah, you've got your rushing rushviets, um, and so, but I think, rushing. but it also establishes a bit of a player identity as well. You know, like I know that you're going to be an aggressive player yeah, romping across the map. I know it. that uh, some people are going to turtle a bit more than others, and um, and I think that's quite a nice yeah. sort of element. If it was permanently like that, it would probably suck. But knowing that we're only doing it for eight games and possibly less, yeah, um, I think. I think it works quite well. Do you feel the same, Sam, with your horrendous boat mechs? <laughs> or do you feel do you feel do you feel I, stuck in a rut? Do you think it would help hate, if you switched? I hate it? the physical miniatures of my mechs. <laughs> your Robin Reliant ones. The yellow <laughs> Crimea, isn't it? Tractors on the stable yeah, wheels. Mine are the boat, boat mechs. Yeah. Boat mechs are slightly better than the tractor mech. Yeah. I've got the big fat purple mechs. The, the white, the white mechs are the best, right? Everyone can agree. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mine could be stopped by someone sticking a stick through its spokes of its wheel. <laughs> That's why you've been scoring so low. Um, so apart from the physicality of them, um, I, I've not got a problem with the actual faction. You've got a hardcore ability as well. The Crimea yeah, faction to spend pop, combat yeah. cards as resources, I think, is probably second to Rusfiat. I think Rusfiat, it's probably the not. best. Yeah. I think... It's either tied with Maybe Rusfiat. Maybe a component that agrees with us. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold my hand up and say that Rusfiat's use whatever ability to, you want to at any one time, unless it's a factory, is borderline OP. Yeah, I like nerfing it so you can't have industrialists with it is a very good idea. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think I've really enjoyed playing as them best. because of it, though. Yeah, it's and great. I would say Crimea is either tied or second best in terms of ability. That, that ability and it's is even great. it's on those tokens, isn't it, that tell you basically how much they're worth the abilities. Yeah. Yes, yeah. and uh, like you gave me your token, and I got no gold for it. And this is spoilerish. That's just a little bit spoilery, <laughs> but, but it um, sort of it rates the abilities. And it's yeah, nice the, ability, the ability is great, but you start with no combat cards, so you then got to waste stuff to try and get them to then use a resource when you could mm. just get the resource instead so only but you come by combat cards so easily though like throughout the game you're racking them up every time yeah. you bolster you every, time, I, I wasn't every time you lose a combat i wouldn't get any well yeah, then I, maybe I you need to really work that into your strategy either, yeah. as well because it's because for that it's like going after food isn't it it's enlisting as well enlisting yeah, is so important yeah i was doing enlisting tricks so i was getting one if you enlisted because i was next to your tomo it was very random what they were doing anyway 
Well, I'm an enlist yeah. addict. That's definitely... <laughs> I mean, if you look at the bingo thing, um, I'm all about enlisting. <laughs> Tristan enlists so much that it's actually got me enlisting as soon as possible. Because you just, benefit from it straight away, right? Just by osmosis. So yeah. it's an enlist yeah. race straight away because yeah. the person on either side of you is going to get the benefit every time you do it. So if you've got two people enlisting and you're doing it yourself... You're getting yeah. like two, one, two, or three resources per action. It's without, it's not even your go. It's got to the point where I even do it in the order of enlist, then um, for deploy, then for upgrade, then for buildings in but, that order. But, and this brings me on to the next sort of faction related thing. Not everybody's in a starting position to be able to enlist straight away. No, no, because you need food. Play a map. But, you need food. Yeah, right? yeah. No, but you can trade but, for food. So there's the, yeah, that's yeah. the other thing, and that's something I do all the time is trade for food. If I if I get a, if but I get a player, it's map, not optimal. And when you start playing suboptimally, and it's not playing towards the faction strengths or the ideology yeah. strengths, when you start doing that, you, you you're taking like a you're taking a risk. Who, right? who I think there's the, always yeah. going to be suboptimal moves in amongst the ones yeah. that, that give you the gold on yeah. the on the lower actions. But I think. If, if it's going to set you up for something, whatever play mat you get, enlisting is always going to be good. And if you can, if you have to produce for it because you've got access to food, I don't think you have, you don't have I food, do you? I don't enlist very much because right. I don't have food. And I but have if, food. So if I was in your position, I would be trading for food constantly. That's yeah. how I'd be. But there's other it. stuff that I need to be doing because if I don't get moving straight away, I'm locked. <laughs> of course there is. It's that kind I'm, of game I'm, though, I'm, isn't it? But this it is, is it. And it's again. kind of, this is the other thing. Like I don't have a problem with the factions. I'm sick of that starting position. Not because it's bad, I'm just bored with it. Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm going through the same. It's like, like you said before, Move. my first yeah. sort of four or five turns, I kind of, I know what I'm doing. Let's, Is that because of the mods or because on. of the actual like sort of geography of where you are? Both. The mods, the, have, the mods have, yeah, the mods have kind of changed it a little bit because the mods just give me yeah. free stuff. Yeah. Like, I'm going to be trying to get that anyway. It's why, it's why I'm always, as Rusfiat, going to teleport out of my starting territory and Riverwalk yeah. after that. I never get Riverwalk as my first mech anymore. Mm. It's always just, where can I teleport? Because it usually, I get more adventures from it and I get a few extra early game buffs. Mm. And if the game doesn't end, then I'll just teleport back to my starting position and work out from there. I'll get kicked yeah. back to it out of fighting. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like dave's right though my opening moves in terms of production and where i'm moving to feel really stale now and i think it's mainly it's highlighted because we're playing so many games quickly but also because everything else that feels so fresh mm. and it just needs it just needs we some way of mixing bits, it up yeah, yeah. of the game exactly yeah. but such as scratching your head and wondering what the heck you meant to be doing isn't that every game <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, I suppose that. So that's okay. That's a total counter argument to having the same faction every game for but, the campaign. But there is, a, but but this is it. Like I don't want to change faction. You just want to like change. If we mentioned the op the option to change faction. Say there's say there was an option to change the faction, <laughs> right? I wouldn't take it in a campaign game unless I was forced to do it. But if you could move where you started, you. But if I could move where I started, yeah, that would be. Yeah, me, me and Dave were discussing um, at the beginning of like the second game. What would be cool was if one of the upgrades, and we don't know if it'll happen or not yet because we're not all the way through the campaign, would be just the faction logo as a little coaster and we randomise where they start and then we'll move around the table and being sat next to different players or different automa might just add a bit of variety there because the Europa map, it's kind of, you know, it's just abstract anyway, isn't it? It's just representing a battlefield practically. There is, there's a couple of flaws with that idea. I get what you're saying, yeah. but for a starter's... Um... To Gower and Albion would, and the be, balance of the game. would be screwed because they don't have Riverwalk. So you, yeah. you're basically isolating them to the peninsulas. Yeah. Um, and 
the individual factions, Matt's, uh, I think, abilities are sort of linked up to, for example, yeah, they can yeah, swim out yeah. straight away. Yeah. And yeah. If, you were in, if you're on a path, if you're on Tagawa's or Albion's starting position and you've got a path directly to the factory, then yeah. your swimming ability is defunct. Um, yeah. So there will be some jankiness if, you, if can, you did do you that. Never, but yeah. it would mix it up. And actually, now that we're at a point in the campaign where certain things have changed anyway, it might be quite a fresh start. And I think probably given the point we're at, we'd be able to tackle yeah. that change. I think in the, in the base game, if you did that, you'd definitely mm. put people at an instant disadvantage. Yeah. If anyone's um, homebrewed that particular rule yeah, or would like to... I'm surprised that that's not, that's not a thing. Yeah, right. email boardchitless at gmail.com and let us know. We'd, be, <laughs> we'd love to give it a go. Put um, it in the comments. <laughs> is there anything that we've missed um, in terms of like game-wise, mechanics-wise, that has really like brought something new to Scythe from the expansion? I mean, as... Rise of Fenris, it's campaign, but as an expansion, I don't know how much you paid for it at retail, but it, for me, it seems really good value for money. You, you, there's a lot in the box. If you like the game, it adds so much, and you could feasibly skip the campaign altogether. So I know I, I saw someone post that on, on BGG the other day, like, I've no interest in the campaign. What does I don't it know add? Why you wouldn't. I mean, I'm, it introduces the extra components like quite well. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. yeah. But you'd have to have the same group, so this might be people yeah. who go into cl- like gaming club nights or whatever. Yeah. And yeah, but um, yeah, and and so even if if you just ignore the campaign and just look at the components, what you get, the new elements yeah. it brings, and everything, this is an instant buy for me anyway because I love the game and it adds probably more than the two previous expansions yeah. put together. It feels like three expansions in one. It feels like a multi, like a big box expansion right? yeah, and there's, there's like three games one. to go as well three more games probably worth of extra stuff that we haven't seen yeah, and we so. have there's no... three more games in the campaign yeah. and then there's new ways to play at the end of it yeah, so, yeah. so there's like co-op mode this and all is that how kind of stuff. this is how yeah. expansions should be we, yeah, we, like, yeah. Is... like the merchants and marauders expansion the yeah. one that just added in loads of extra yeah. modular yeah. stuff and I know I know we've moaned it about expands. the shorter games but we yeah. have absolutely no idea how those games are going to go mm. like anything could happen like yeah. in terms of rule sets, in terms of story beats, in terms of what we're all doing, everything just changes quite dramatically each game. I think what we need to do in the next game is me and Dave on either side of you, Lecky. So we'll just, just go straight into your home base, box you in, so you can't <laughs> rush the end yeah. game, and uh, and we'll sit, give Sam some time to like take the AI on and let things pan out a little I'm, more. And play I'm, a proper probably, game. I'm probably going to be an automa, so yeah, that, I can see that working. <laughs> you will be. <laughs> There's, um, but yeah, like Daz, like he hit the factory in two turns. <laughs> yeah, but Daz was um, even Daz mentioned like he's got he's got a faction that he's not familiar with, but sometimes he's not being given enough time to actually get to grips with that faction and see how it works. And I can see that kind of leading to quite a negative game experience. But at the same time, I've really enjoyed each game and even the shorter ones. They're not quite safe in my opinion, but at the same time, it's still really good. If that was a run of a random game then that'd be brilliant. And also with what the campaign um, Rise of Fenris expansion material brings to the game, if you've got someone in your gamer group, a bit like Dave, where like, they'll play Scythe with you, but it's not going to set the world on fire without prospects of doing it, there's enough in Rise of Fenris that you can say, right, we're going to play with this particular track set, we're going to use that um, faction because you can get to grips with it and you can try, and try something new. And they'll have like a really good game of Scythe with it. It'll freshen it up, no end. Whereas with the Wind Gambit and the um, was it the Invaders from Afar, they just brought in new factions that played in exactly the same way. They brought in airships, but they played in exactly the same way. Um, and it brought new material to the game, but it was very scythe With the material that's in the Scythe Rise of Fenrir box, it feels like it'll really kind of change the dynamic enough 
to make the game enjoyable again if you've just overdosed on it. <laughs> Was that as resounding? Yes, Dave. Brilliant. <laughs> Is it, look, it's 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 still scythe. But if I want to play a Euro, it's not quite Euro enough yeah. for me, and it's not. If I want to play like, how would you area, want to play Euro? And if I want to play like an area <laughs> control sort of fist fight sort of game, get up in someone's face, yeah. it's not quite that either. It's a good middle ground. Um, I think it's a, an amazingly amazing design. Yeah. It's just not. It's not. Doesn't quite get me where I want in either category. Yeah. So it's not that I, I, I enjoy playing it. Even even the amount that we've played it, we played like five games in like what a week, like. If it can hold your attention, that there's nothing wrong with the game. Like it's a good game. It's just, it's just not, and the, the campaign's not changed my mind on that. Three games left. Maybe there's yeah. something in these extra bits that is going to be like, yeah, we need to play that in Scythe every time if Dave's coming. <laughs> that's that's it's a just a fixer. hammer. Yeah. A claw yeah. hammer is being found in the box. <laughs> but it's uh, there's certainly nothing in it that puts me off. Yeah, no. Like, yeah. Like this is like one of the best expansions. Yeah. I've seen for a game. In in terms of compared to the core set, then how does Rise of Fenris retail? Is it more expensive than the core game? Is it a similar price? Is it a lot cheaper? Oh, it's cheaper than the the uh, core game. At least yeah. it was for me. Um, I don't know what the discounts or Kickstarter. Oh, it wasn't Kickstarted. This I think it was straight to retail. Straight to push, yeah. um, once you put everything together with all four expansions and then the legendary boxes, and I bought all the promos as well, which is like five sets of five cards at $5 each, you know, it's, it soon starts racking up. And if, if you want the experience that we're playing with, which is everything rolled in, you, you know, you're talking a couple of hundred dollars probably by the end of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you just bought the base game, you could just buy rise of Fenris, you know, yeah. and skip the other two expansions and all the promos and stuff. You'd probably get it under a hundred quid maybe. Um, and I think you'd still get a lot of meat because actually the base game itself has a lot, I think, a lot of replayability. I just, oh, it's, it's one of those kind of games where I just want to play more. Yeah. But um, what did you think, Sam? I know you, you, you're struggling with like lagging behind, basically, you feel. do you Are you excited about playing it more or are you just like, let's get to the end of this campaign and play something else? <laughs> no, I, I like Scythe. I like playing the game. Um, I like the meatier games and the quicker games really didn't do it for me because of the situation I'm in. So I, I spent a lot of time on those quick games trying to build an engine, but it hadn't even started before the game was over, which then negatively impacted my score at the end because I hadn't been able to achieve yeah. anything. So that sort of, again, snowballed, but I do enjoy playing the game. And it is it is like a puzzle a lot of it. I like trying to figure out the best way to do things. Just proves I'm really bad at puzzles. <laughs> <laughs> and to be fair, those those shorter games did impact everybody's scores. They, 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 no, they, they did. They dragged everyone that, down. That is... I said like there's nothing in it that detracts from the game, and that probably did because you'd want to play a longer game aside. I think we're all a little thrown off by those. Yeah, but I'm interested yeah. to see how it falls out after the I, final it's not game. Like, even though it is detracted yeah. a bit, it's knowing, knowing Stone <laughs> Games as a sort of publishing house, I think we're probably the last three games. If I could predict what would happen, is we're going to have a another mid-length game where it's scythe. Some new, some new content in terms of um, game mechanic variation. So maybe another early game finish, and then the final games is going to be epic. I think we're going to go be a teams. full on war. You think there's going to be a co op? Not co op. I think we're going to go teams. As in, like Muni versus these guys. Oh, you mean like you've been playing the if whole time? Like. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys ever even had? No, a, we've had a couple of combats. Right. Occupy the same spaces. We, no, no, we've had a couple of combats, but it's been kind of like, oh, you might as well just do that. Like, you send me home, and I can. Yeah. 
There was, I'm not going to put any power or any combat cards in, so you yeah. can just take it for nothing. It got to the point where, because um, Raphael took over some of the Automa sticks we've been playing on a Saturday, so um, include uh, Raphael and Twitter. He's great at playing Scythe. He's like well adept at the rules. Um, and it got to the point when even he looked at me and called me an idiot for not attacking Dave's unoccupied workers. <laughs> that, that was the most like... It was it was the craziest move I think I'd ever seen. But, it was like Dave and Lecky had had an agreement <laughs> before they came to the game day. Uh, like, I'll it, give you a fiver if you don't get me. No, but it, it would have resulted, and you know, you know, it would have yeah, just yeah, resulted yeah, yeah, in me yeah. and you just out would, would have been out of the game because yeah. I we should probably set the scene. So this yeah. is this is two workers in of Dave's in like Lecky's territory with a shed load of resources like, stood next to your mech. Yeah. And your mech's looking right at him and goes, no, I'm going to I'm gonna wander off over here. So you would have taken like a, a one or two popularity yeah. here and just cleaned up, got some territory back. And then it it was, no, you went off no. on an adventure instead. Yeah. Well, you would have vacated the territory you were in as well. Yes. So you'd have lost that, but you'd have got like four resources, <laughs> which probably would have got you something, an upgrade or a building or something. No, th- so, there was no justifying it. <laughs> no, there isn't. No, this is why I love it, because it's actually, it's the meta of the game as well. You're yeah. not just yeah. limited by... The mechanics, you know. Now Unless Lecky's you've got, got to your defend his borders for the rest of the game, because I'm like you, I'm not gonna take that. I'm gonna just be like, this, right, this is what exactly, I'm saying. Yeah. Like, no one holds been, a grudge like Dave. Had it been <laughs> the exactly Automa, <laughs> maybe you, maybe you do. Which is why I've not attacked you either. <laughs> had either of you been the Automa in that situation, there was no way that you wouldn't have just lost everything. Probably would. It probably would have skipped its turn. Well, yeah. possibly. I mean, it wouldn't be building up resources. It would have just yeah. been. It would have just been hacking away at you constantly. Yeah. You don't. You can't sort of go. I'm not going to do that because I'm scared of the You are in a bad position, no. which again is why I, th- I feel like but the sort of starting positions would mix it up. As, no, as a hu- as it, the as Ultima a doesn't make a decision based on you leaving four resources. No, or it just, did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't. It attacks you when you had five dudes in a mech. Let's put it, let's put it this way. If you're like, Who does that? If you're, if you're leaving your house and you're on your way to work and your neighbours left the car keys in the ignition yeah, you don't turning over car. turning over while, <laughs> like they, the giant while they defrost the windscreen are you entitled to take his car no as a gentleman you leave his car where the hell you found it I'm finding a vague flaw in this analogy <laughs> but That's exactly the if, same. if your neighbour is Nazi Germany <laughs> oh, wow. and you were the allies you know oh, now I know that one situation the Nazi been brought up as soon as Hitler's brought that's the exactly. Exactly. Just to address it. It's based on the First World War, so it's sort of leading up to that era. Now I can hear Mark Chaplin's dad laughing at me as well. <laughs> I need to I need to justify what my thought process and basically it was, it was wood, wasn't it? And it was just a load of wood. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I basically I had most of my buildings out. I didn't That's need any wood. <laughs> I could have gone and taken over um more hexes and got the adventure. Which is what you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I didn't I didn't feel the Probably need to believe. No, you didn't literally go for an adventure. It wasn't. It was just a dull move. <laughs> I was saying that I was like your mech is wandering off. No, I was after I was I was after a. Uh, I think Lecky's thought process. Campaign. Whenever Tristan suggests something though to him, I think Lecky's like, "Hang on a minute, maybe maybe I'm being played." And I think that's part of why. There's a point. You've got yeah, an ally yeah. with Dave on your right, and you've got an adversary with me on your left. Tristan suggests something just because he's like, you know, he's being friendly, and the straight the first place I go to is, "What's in it for Tristan?" <laughs> Last time we played Resistance, he got me. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never forgive you for um, taking Spartacus. over the show. With yeah, was it was it the farm that you occupied? Uh, I was after in like this the second. Oh, game. that was when we were in an actual. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, no, that that turned out well. Any, any, <laughs> any, I'm sure we've bored everyone to tears about how I was foolish. So um, 
Yeah. Uh, well, there's one thing we've not discussed, and that's the actual component quality and the artwork. Um, for me, it's elevated the type a little bit. It's kept. It's not just kind of kept the quality of the artwork and the components. It's elevated them. The artwork's really evocative. It's made it darker. Yeah, I was just going to say. It's sort that. of like more sort of cyborgy, roboty stuff going on. I feel like they've really like the artist has really hit his stride with this one. It reminds me more of. Um, I don't know if it's similar anyway, but it reminds me more of like the Tannhauser stuff. You yeah, know, that it's quite like alternate reality but dark yeah like yeah. really cool yeah no cool. yeah, i think um that's what you get with stone my you you know you're going to get 10 out of 10 component quality yeah. Yeah, all the, the miniatures are good the, the pieces the wood the woods the artwork everything is just some of the miniatures with the highlight some of the new, if there's new miniatures in the game oh yeah, yeah. the speculative new like, miniatures Whoa. might have been interesting yeah. if they'd appeared it can't be worse than the uh Crimea's old max <laughs> <laughs> your bicycle max yeah. pop to wheelie <laughs> yeah no that's and that's something that really appeals to me i wish you could get the same the faction boards and play mats for this i would love for eclipse you know the two tiered ones where yeah you put the wood on and it just slots in oh god i love that are they it's not just, in second edition they probably are but i'm so far into first yeah. edition eclipse there's the no sec- way I'm second edition i think Strange. I think it's like with a circular one, and they sort of. Oh, spiral. it's dials. I think. Is spi- it? No, something? no. I think it. I think it's inserts, but they sort of spiral in from each other. It might mm. be dials, oh. but it look. It what looks. You guys should totally get that. Maybe. <laughs> Expensive, but yeah. But yeah, no. I just love. I love it when a game is designed like this, and they've played it so often that they're like, "What is the optimal way for the player to experience um, juggling all these different yeah. elements?" And there's a place for everything. I even love that there's a spot on the board for each card deck. You know, yeah. like the adventure cards go here, the combat cards go there. It's just so neat. Yeah. Everything is so neat and <laughs> well organized. Encounter tokens have a little encounter token. Yeah. Oh, it's just it's so yeah. pretty. No, it's cool. It's cool. Right then, wicked. Well, that is Scythe, the Rise of Ben. save a bit for the last episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So... Our intention now, we've been good to you and not spoiled um, Rise of Ventress, is all the spoilers. we're going to come back to it at the end of the campaign, talk a bit more about it, but then just go spoiler spoil it, spoil it, ruin it. Yeah, um, <laughs> we'll try and double it up with another game that you haven't heard, so you don't have to avoid a whole episode, and we will... Bored scytheless. Scytheless, that's brilliant. A bit on the scythe for all of us. <laughs> that was episode 51, Scythe, the Rise of Ventress, I think a great game. Everyone else in with me on that one? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, if you've played it, if you haven't played it, if you're just looking forward to it, if you're excited, if you're not excited, if it's bored you, get in touch with us. Um, Basically, if you're a human, if you're a human, and you're listening, if you're not, not automas need not apply. <laughs> <laughs> Jump in on Facebook on the uh, board hashtag board shitlist group. Uh, let us know there. Comment on SoundCloud or iTunes. Please like and share. Um, more and more people are listening every week, and we really do thank your support. So from all of us this week, thank you very much for joining us. We'll see you soon. Goodbye. 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 Cheers.